We finished up the Old Testament in the story, and we are now going to transition to the New Testament, the New Testimony, the New Word from God that did not replace the Old Testament, but fulfilled the Old Testament. And we're going to look at the, at the, uh, the book of John and kind of, kind of get yourself relaxed a little bit and let maybe a little caffeine kick in because we're going to go through about six years worth of theology in about 30 minutes. So you ready? All right. I didn't hear a yes, so you're going to get it anyway. Very first chapter of John. Now remember, the different books of the New Testament, the four Gospels were written to four different audiences. Right? The book of Matthew was written to the Jewish audience, so it has all of the Jewish, his lineage and things along that line. The book of Mark was written to the Greek, or was, was written to the Roman. Short, to the point, got it, take it, done. The book of Luke was written to the Greek. It's often called the thinking person's gospel. It's the most complete, the most thorough. And the book of John was written to the believer. So he really stretches you. Here are these words out of the book of John, beginning chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him. And with Him not one thing came into being. And without Him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in Him was life. The very essence of life. And the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not overcome it. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Join me in prayer. Father, open our eyes, ears, hearts, and minds to the transforming power of Your Word. May we all be changed forever because of our encounter with it. In the powerful name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. All right. Any of you who have been around children, what is this? The pee-pee dance. Can you say the word pee-pee from the pulpit? No, it's on record now. The pee-pee dance. Right, you all seen the kids doing it? Right? See, they know what's coming. They know what is absolutely inevitable. But they're trying to distract themselves for as long as they can so they don't have to think about it. Right? Last week, we looked at how Malachi had put a bug in the ear for the, for the Jewish people that was supposed to last 400 years. The Messiah is coming. Alright? The Messiah is coming. They know what is inevitable. What is inevitable. But for 400 years they did the pee-pee dance. 
to distract themselves of what was really coming. And today, the pee-pee dance is over. We're going to look at the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Now, let's go clear back to September. The very first verse that I read you in the beginning of the story. Let's go clear back. In the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless, was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the water. Then God said, Let there be, and there was. In other words, God spoke a word, and the darkness fleed, and life came. And we read that in John. In the beginning was the Word, what, Je- what the spoke, the words of God, the power of He spoke and it happened. The Word was with God and the Word was God. This whole, this crazy thing of a Trinity. Three eternally distinct persons who are one God. The Word. Now, we have a very set definition for Word. Right? But in the ancient times, Word had lots of other meanings. And to fully understand what John is coming out of the chute to believers saying, we need to look at the meaning of some of those Hebrew and Greek words. In the Old Testament, many times you'll see the word uh, word, but the Hebrew meaning behind it is the word peh. Peh. And peh means not just word, it means coming directly from the mouth of God. Directly from the mouth of God. And another Hebrew word is debar, debar. And this adds an additional connotation to just the word word. It means because it comes from the mouth of God, it can be absolutely trusted. The word can be trusted. The word is the source of all understanding. After all, He invented it. And it is the source of truth. Absolute truth. And the word word, when this is used, means that it it includes divine wisdom. In other words, it's not just words that come out. Right? There's so much more to those words. They come directly from the mouth of God. They can be trusted. They're the source of all understanding, truth. And it's not just wisdom. It is divine wisdom. In the New Testament, in particular, if you go back to look at the Greek in 1 John, he's using the word, the Greek word, logos. 
Logos is where we get the word logic. The word is reasonable, factual, and logical. And then other places in the New Testament, they will use the word remete. And that takes the word word and it adds a spiritual component. In other words, these words are spiritual. A lot of stuff going on on that one little the word, isn't there? Lots of stuff going on there. Heraclitus, a philosopher in the town of Ephesus, have you ever heard the saying, you never step in the same river twice? You ever heard that? Well, that came from that philosopher. It's a very common saying, right? Because you never step in the same river twice. It's always moving. He said about logos, now listen to this, logos for his definition was omnipotent wisdom that steers everything. In the beginning was the Word, the omnipotent wisdom that steers everything. There was a Jewish philosopher by the name of Philo that actually had a great uh, impact on Plato, great impact on Plato. And uh, and and he would give the Jewish perspective on the Greek word logos, as, as we have just as we have just talked about. It's not just some something written down or spoken. It has divine and spiritual characteristics and eternity and absolute truth and and wisdom. And this uh, and and Plato existed about the same time as Malachi, about four hundred years before Jesus Christ came. So here we had this Jewish philosopher impacting Plato, a Greek, and it caused Plato to write, one day, he, he wrote that a word may one day usher forth from God. He wasn't even Jewish. The same time Malachi was putting, putting a bug in people's ear and causing them to do the pee-pee dance, even the Greeks were doing the pee-pee dance. One day God's going to do it. He's going to usher forth a word. All right, now let me try to combine all of these into when we just read the word. All right? Remember that in John, the word comes directly from the mouth of God. It can be trusted. It is the source of all life, understanding, truth, and divine wisdom. The Word is part of God because God exists in spirit. So we added the spiritual component to the Word. And the Word is the creator of all life. In John 1, 3 through 4, all things came into being through Him. And without Him, not one thing came into being. You 
accident. What has come into being in Him was life. There's no other source of life, my friends. And the life was the light of all people. All people. It's hard to see how this little sentence of the Word takes on so much deeper meaning. I mean, you could take one of those and just go really deep into it. And then John 1.5 says, The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not overcome it. This light, this Word, this life is the most powerful force in the universe. The Word. The Word. Many times when I uh, ask, uh, especially young kids, when did Jesus come to life? Guess what they answer? Oh, 2,000 years ago when He was born. No. And we've got to start teaching people that that was not when He came to life. That's when He came down to earth. But that's not when He came to life. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit have existed forever. There was never a time that all three did not exist. They were the original. Now listen to this. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are the original first cause. The first cause of everything that we look up in the stars at night and see, to the ant that crawls on the ground, to the hand that we look at when we put some lotion on it. All of that came from the first cause. Now let me, let me help you understand first cause. Everything must have a first cause. It has to. So imagine that you're in a restaurant and the restaurant has a pool table. And you just happen to glance over at the pool table at the last moment and you see a ball roll into the pocket. Logic tells you, remember, logos, logic, it is perfectly logical for God to do what He did. You know that that ball did not start rolling on its own. Correct? Logic tells you that it was hit by another ball, which was probably hit by another ball, which goes and went back to the first cause. In my example, what was the first cause? The guy with the pool cue. You logically know there has to be a first cause in order for that chain reaction to take place. Right? The Word is the first cause of all creation. Got out his pool cue and started it all happening. And he has guided it every step of the way. 
Now, as we've gone through the Old Testament since September, we have, we have seen the Word over and over again. Right? He has existed for all time. We saw it in the very first chapter of Genesis. God spoke. It happened. It was life. And it was good. Right? And we continue to see Him throughout all of the Old Testament. We've seen Him as the one that wrestled with Jacob. We have, seen, we, we have seen Him speak to Joseph, the commander of God's armies. We have seen Him in the form of Melchizedek, the first priest. The first priest of God when He spoke to Abraham. We have seen Him as the, in the fourth person in that fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We have seen Him throughout the Old Testament. And now, the Word became flesh. God Himself became one of you and He burped. He stubbed his toe. It hurt his neck when he laid on that rock in the middle of the desert going from town to town. He cried. He laughed. He got angry. And he felt the beating and the nails on that cross. It is God that comes to us that distinguishes Christianity from all other belief systems. Let me repeat that. It is God coming to us that distinguishes Christianity from all other belief systems. Now that we know that God reaches out to everyone. Everyone. And we know that so that we know in all religions there are elements of truth. You'll hear them and you'll go, oh, well, that just must be just like Christianity. Don't be fooled. Even non-believers have elements of truth. They understand right and wrong, right? But then enters the fallen human nature and Satan resulting in falsehood. And because these other religions and belief systems lack the saving truth or belief in the Word, Jesus Christ, that even though they may have elements of truth, there is no salvation in them. Now, there are elements of truth everywhere. And, and, I, and to, to kind of help us understand this, I want you to take a very poor drawing here of mine, and I want you to imagine that we're way up at about 30,000 feet and we're looking down on a mountaintop, Okay? And that little piece in the middle, if you will, maybe that's the snow on top of the mountain, but that's God sitting on the top of the mountain. Okay? 
That's God. And all of those blue dots are different religions. All of those are different religions. And they all have, even Satanism has elements of truth. But they all stand on different places in the mountains, some further away, some closer. But Christianity is the only one of them that records God Himself coming down and talking to us. Buddha's not God. We're the only one that interacted directly with God. And not only did God come in the flesh to talk to us, the Word in flesh, He had us write it down so we have the Word in writing. All of the other religions are looking up at the mountain and they got, they got elements of truth, but they don't have the saving truth. Now, you see, there's a little bit of separation there between Christianity and God because heaven knows we've gotten it wrong plenty of times. Right? Satan has jumped in the middle of us. We've led our own little ways. We don't read the Bible. We make Jesus into who we want Him to be. And we drift away. But that's the reason why God gave us the Word in writing. And so many Christians today want to abandon the Word and do whatever culture wants to do. The Word serves to bring us back to focus on the real God. Now, of course, you've heard me say many times that I do not believe Christianity is a religion. It's not. It's the truth. By definition, a religion is people seeking the divine. Oh, if I can just get in the right state, I can have the God revealed to me. Where did He go? I must find Him. Maybe He's over here. Maybe if I travel over here, I'll find Him. I'll seek, 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 seek. Oh, He's not there. Let me go look over here. Maybe I'll just change. I'll change and I'll start on eating some food. That'll get me to write to God and all this stuff. Maybe if I bend my body in the right way, I'll find God. Right? Search, 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 search. Christianity is God seeking us. Do you understand the difference? Didn't we see this over and over and over and over and over again in the Old Testament? Didn't we? Right? How Satan would get in the middle of things or the fallen humanity would push away from God, decide they wanted to go do other things, get away from Him, drift away from what He wanted, and then who always acted first? God. God sent a prophet. God made something happen. God always reaches out first. Let me repeat that. God reaches out first. You don't need to seek 
him. You just need to let him in. God is reaching out to every person here. You don't need to go to Mecca and march around a fallen meteorite to see if God's going to appear. He's already here. You just have to let Him in. Why in the world does God always reach out to us? Why does He do that to a group of people that constantly abandoned Him, blasphemed Him, acted against His will, and constantly tried to drive Him away so they could be God of their own lives and decide who and what they wanted to do? Why would He do that? Love. He's not going to give up on you. Ever. God constantly reaches out first over and over and over to bring us home because He loves us. Because He loves you. Out of love, He wants desperately for you to be a part of His eternal story. And this is it, my friends. In the last final attempt before the end comes, before God finally says, I've had enough. God freely chose to come down and be one of us. Jesus Christ, on His own free will, said, I will go and pay the death penalty that they deserve. And all I ask is that you believe in Me and follow Me. That's all. My friends, as we venture into the beginning of the New Testament, this part of the story, Let's really remember how miraculous this part of the story is. Never, ever in all of recorded history has God come down to talk to us. God has come. Come on forward. The ultimate, purest, unlimited form of love has come down to tell the story directly to you and I so that we'll get it. Love has come. Love has come for us all who will believe in Jesus Christ and repent of their sins. This is the biggest event the cosmos has ever seen. Love has come. 
I know this life is filled with sorrow And there are days when the pain just lasts and lasts But I know there will come a day When all my tears are washed away With the break in the clouds His glory coming down And in that moment every knee shall bow Every tongue confess that God is a love. Love has come for us all. Every heart set free. Everyone will see that God is a love. Love has come for us all. Anybody who has ever lost a loved one And you feel that you had to let go too soon I know it hurts to say goodbye But don't you know it's just a matter of time Till the tears are gonna end You see him once again And in that moment every knee shall bow Every tongue confess that God is in love. Love has come for us all. Every heart set free. Everyone will see that God is in love. Love has come for us all. Oh, and on that day we will stand amazed. Amazing grace as our hearts rise up and sing. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Thank you for the cross. Singing glory, glory.
My friends, the Word, the truth, the light, the life, the creator, the steerer, the guider, the most powerful force in the universe, the light, freely chose to come down here for you. And you don't need to chase Him. He reached out first through the prophets. He reached out first to come down here. Just open your hearts and let Him in. Now comes the time of offering. And as you